0: Real Presence Live. Religion has understood things about the way humans function long before science
1: was able to prove anything. Local. It's always important for all of us to kind of look externally and
2: say, what about these family? They are just like the Holy Family. They're experiencing the same persecution.
1: Engaging. Jesus wants to be with us. I always think
2: of that as
0: at the heart of the Eucharist. Live A mystery, then, of the rosary allows us to see a teaching of the church, but to be able to go deeper within that teaching. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross coming to you, a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, along with my esteemed colleague... Father Jason leffer good morning.
1: Good morning, Father Gross. It is great to be back and live with you.
0: Yes, indeed. As we are coming to you from the uh, still high and dry uh nor- near South Side Historic District in uh, Grand Forks, North Dakota, a couple of bridges in town have been closed as a precaution, but uh, we're doing very well so far here. So um we're uh, looking the, forward to. I'm sorry. Go on, ahead. I'd say
1: on the interstate, in it's big flashing signs. Don't go past the North Dakota-South Dakota border. South Dakota's all closed. Oh,
0: yes, yes. They're predicting perhaps two feet of snow or more by the time it's all said and done. So those of you who are listening in the uh, Diocese of Sioux Falls area in particular, um, y- you may have nowhere else to go because of the weather. And so thank you for tuning in to your uh, local affiliate for Real Presence Radio. And um, go ahead and kick us off with a prayer for our, uh, for our
1: program yet, please. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. Heavenly Father, may we be your great glory. Father, this day we especially think of all those in the areas that are being hit by flooding. We think of those who are in the in the terrible storm that's going on today. Uh, Father, we, we plead for your mercy, your protection and safety upon all of our listeners, especially those who are traveling or maybe stranded this day. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son and this great season of Passion Tide. We ask you to send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life into our hearts, our minds, our imaginations, our memories. Bring us fully alive in your divine Spirit. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and
0: of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. We're looking forward to some wonderful conversations, and we are glad to have you along with us today. Uh, We're also looking forward to this uh, beautiful time that is coming up as Holy Week kicks off this weekend with Palm Sunday and then the uh, wonderful uh, Triduum. Uh, the Paschal Triduum leading up to Easter Sunday, which is only a week and a half away. Um, On a uh, less, uh, I guess, spiritual note, although some people treat it rather religiously, the uh, NCAA Frozen Four begins today. And so we do have a team in our listening area that's still in the competition looking to repeat as champions, the uh, Bulldogs of Minnesota Duluth, who are going to be facing off against Providence College. Uh, Catholic school, so I guess my rooting would be somewhat divided
1: between the two. (laughs) And, uh, you know, the, the coach there for the Duluth Bulldogs, he's a former UND guy ah, and so yeah okay. he's a great he's a great coach and they got a great program up there yep
0: so they kick they uh i was going to say kick off it's hockey not football father let's remember that um, <laughs> they, drop four, the puck. they drop the puck at 4 p.m and then the evening tilted features massachusetts versus denver another uh, common foe for uh, hockey fans in our locality so um we'll turn things over to command central as aaron gives us a preview of what's going to be coming up during today's show Thank
2: you very much, Father. We're going to have a fun show lined up today. We'll be talking about faith and politics and how you can get involved on the local and state level with Chris Herdebis in this first hour. After that, the Fathers will be taking your comments and questions during our Straight Talk call-in segment. Then in the second hour, we'll hear from Matt Ellercamp of the Bismarck Diocese and how his faith has grown through a program called Exodus 90. If you're wondering about what that is, please stay tuned to hear more about that. We'll wrap up the second hour with Father James Cheney and Brian Wilburn of the St. Paul's Newman Center in Fargo on the 34th Annual Battle of the Bikes. All this and more coming up on the show today. Back to you guys.
1: Thank you very much. Why don't we throw out that phone number that they can call in a half hour just if, so people can get their questions comments warmed up so that that they can call in when in about a half hour from now 877
0: 795 for our straight talk segment which will be coming up at the bottom of this hour but uh, first of all we have a great uh, conversation on tap here with one of our friends from uh, the diocese of superior in northwestern wisconsin chris herdebees is with us on the phone good morning and welcome to real presence live good morning father it's great to be with you guys again yeah, it seems like it was just last month that we spoke with you, isn't it? Well, uh, yeah, actually it was, <laughs> and uh, it's great to have you back with us. Could you just, uh, for those tuning in, um, remind us of your uh, of your job, your capacity there at the Diocese of Superior?
2: Yeah, my pleasure. So my title is I'm the Associate Director of Catholic Formation for the Diocese, uh, but what that means is I'm responsible for uh, all of our diocesan youth ministry programming, uh, so we... Being a really rural diocese, we do a lot of the bigger programs uh, at the diocesan level instead of at the parish level, because a lot of our parishes are so small. So run some of our uh, summer camps, and we run totus tuus, and we do take a trip to the March for Life and uh, several other programs like that. And then I also uh, work closely with leaders at the parish levels, mentoring youth ministers and religious ed directors. Uh, but alongside of that, I also um, just took on leading marriage prep, uh, for our diocese, and I do some men's and women's ministry as well.
1: What do you do in your spare time, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> well, spare time? What's that? <laughs> <I>
0: have,
2: <laughs> a little bit that I have. I am married and uh, have two young sons and a, a third Third child on the way. So so there is no spare
0: time, time, (laughs) essentially. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're grateful that you spent at least a few minutes of your spare time uh, visiting with us, and a topic that we want to dive into uh, has to do with uh, defending the values of faith and freedom that we hold as Catholics. And uh, you would suggest that um, we, I guess, uh, in general, uh, in America, are not exercising those often enough. Could you explain what you mean by that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I, I think most Catholics have, have this sense of, of cultural drift that um, over the last few decades has gone from a, a mostly Christian culture to a not very Christian culture, and I think a lot of us are asking, well, how did that happen? And <laughs> uh, I I think uh, one of the big reasons that that's happened is we, we haven't taken enough ownership of of helping to form the culture and keep it a Christian culture and a culture of life. And, um, I think there's a lot of smart people in the church that are asking how did that happen and what can we do about it? And, uh, how can we, you know, bring the truth of the gospel to bear on culture and help, help to form a really healthy and virtuous, uh, culture again.
1: You know, it might, uh, for some of our listeners that it might seem antithetical or the opposite, or they may be a little confused, but, um, how is it that faith and freedom how is that exercise in politics? I mean, why why do we why would we even think that those would would go together or how do we go about exercising faith and freedom in politics?
2: Yeah, that's a great question.
1: And
2: <laughs> the uh I'm not an expert on this by any means. Uh and so when I was reading through some of the topics we we're gonna talk about, I was like, Oh my, those are big, big heavy questions. Uh <laughs> but you know, the, I think uh, in America, um we have the the division of um, of religion and state, obviously, for a reason, uh, but that doesn't mean that, that our faith can't be brought to bear on what we think our, our culture and our country should look like and, and what our laws should look like. Um, the, I think there are lots of very loud voices that think that anything the Church has to say should be purely private uh, and should be relegated to, yeah, like the individual's own opinions and should never be brought to bear on, on government or the culture at, at large, but that's that's just not a fair um, point to cede to, to them. Uh, I think, you know, our, our religion forms who we are, and there's still a, a very, very large percentage of Christians in this country, uh, and I, I think if, if we're willing to, to be bold and say, this is who we are, and this is we believe this is the truth, Um we should we should be able to express that just as lo- just as much as anybody uh, else should be able to express where they're coming from.
1: So, so what I hear you saying, Chris, is that it's not the separation of religion and state. It, it, it's not um, so. There's absolutely no religious perspective in the state, but rather it's basically freedom for. Uh, religion, not freedom from religion, right? I mean that, in other words, we're, we we don't. The idea is not that we have to work so hard and keep God out of everything, but that everybody should have freedom of expression within their politics.
2: Yeah, that's that's exactly right. And I I think if you read the founders, and maybe this might be getting a little bit far afield, but if you read the founders, they they had something very specific specific in mind when they talked about the division of of church and state, um, and and we very much agree with where they were coming from. We don't want to establish the Catholic Church as the official state religion or anything like that, and we don't want to pass laws that everybody has to go to mass or anything like that. That's ridiculous. Uh, as Americans, we value that freedom so much, uh, religious freedom. But mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, we we believe that uh, the church helps us to understand the truth of the human person. Um, what our natural rights are as human beings, Um, and and so of course we want to help make sure to guarantee those rights uh, and responsibilities for everyone.
0: Yeah, and interestingly, the phrase, wall of separation between church and state, is not contained either in the Declaration of Independence or in the Constitution. It originated from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to a Baptist congregation in Connecticut, uh, sort of a generation after the fact, you might say, reflecting on the reality of the First Amendment. So that's another thing that, you know, people sometimes are are confused about, that, uh, you know, that that idea in itself is an expression uh, you know, uh, afterwards, and not actually enshrined in uh, the founding documents,
2: right? And and correct me if I'm wrong. The, that letter was guaranteeing their rights as religious as a religious minority,
0: um, rather than a restriction not, of what they were doing.
2: Exactly, <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, well, we are joined today uh, in our first segment by Chris Hertebees from Superior, Wisconsin, and uh, wearing one of his uh, several hats in the Diocese of Superior as he's uh, visiting with us today. And there's a story that came up recently that I was thinking about when we talk about what it means to exercise religious freedom in the public square. Uh, The um, popular uh, fast food business Chick-fil-A has uh, um, uh, gotten some pushback because two different airport authorities... Uh, in San Antonio and in Buffalo chose to um, expel the Chick-fil-A restaurants from their property, not because of any concerns of food safety or, you know, maybe employment discrimination or anything else like that, but because of what their opponents perceive their position is on certain topics, with you know, regarding uh, uh, same-sex uh, civil unions and, you know, various things like that. So I, I see this personally as a cautionary tale. What uh, should business... Business owners um, take a lesson from when they see this, and and uh, you know efforts like this happening in our country.
2: Uh, that's a great question, and I, I think it's a hard question. Um, just as a quick aside, I, I was I flew out to Franciscan University in Stoumenville recently, uh, and I was in a Pittsburgh airport, and there was a Chick Fil A in there, and I, I I don't that news item hadn't come up yet. Uh, but obviously Chick Fil A has a reputation of being a, a strongly Christian company, and I it, it was early in the morning, so I didn't stop and eat there. But I I thought, wow, it's, it's it's cool that they're here, um, and just kind of thinking about the the tension between, um, Christian culture and secular culture. I I wonder, I actually wondered how long they'd be able to be there, you know, you, being you know, in an it... airport, a, a public building, and whatnot. So it's it's kind of coincidental that that should happen, but.
1: You know, Chris, it's interesting, because um, I know even for myself personally, like, I will seek out, like, Pizza Ranch or Chick-fil-A, because or, I know they're the sure. Christian. You walk in, they have they have the gospel passages on the wall or on their napkins, things yeah. like this, and you're like, well, yeah, they should have that freedom of expression, you know? Yeah, absolutely, uh,
2: and the the last Chick-fil-A I was at, this is kind of turning into a Chick-fil-A commercial, this is great, but <laughs> I've,
1: <laughs> I've, there was
2: this, this great praise and worship music, and you know, it's so rare that you hear Christian music in a, a public place, like, am I in a Christian bookstore? No, I'm going to, I'm going to Chick this is great. Uh, but I, I think to answer your original question, one of the hard things is that as as Americans, um, being a, a Christian has been safe uh, for a long time, and praise God for that gift of religious freedom and, and, and religious expression. But uh, Businesses are are suffering martyrdom, um, and you know, praise God, there's there's not bloody martyrdom happening in our country. But but being uh, uh, an open advocate for Christ and His truth uh, in human history, it's cost people something, uh, and it's mm-hmm. it's really heroic witness for these companies to say, you know what, we are going to stand up for the truth, uh, no matter what the cost. And I think we saw kind of a, a little uh burst of, of similar things a couple of years ago um, when the Supreme Court case uh, defining uh, so-called gay marriage came out. There were, there were a bunch of people that lost jobs because of that. Uh, they got outed as being uh, supportive of traditional marriage, and I think we got a little taste that that maybe, maybe there is going to be a cost of discipleship, of, of following Christ again. And I don't know, it, it gives me a lot of hope, actually, to see companies willing to to do that and I think we owe them as much support as we can to to say, Hey, thank you. Um we're mm-hmm. we're gonna come come populate your restaurants and and eat your eat your food and, and whatever, you know, help to keep I, you in I business as much as we I can.
1: Chris, I don't know if you just coined the phrase, but maybe you can copyright but you called it business martyrdom. I'd never heard that thought but that's <laughs> that's absolutely true. This yeah. juridic person Is being a martyr for the yeah run
0: out and uh, trademark that one while you can yeah there you go (laughs) now we just have a couple
1: (laughs) there you go that's right
0: (laughs) we just have a couple of minutes left uh, for our conversation but there is an event uh, we understand that's coming up in your area can you tell us more about that
2: yeah I'd love to Um, so our state uh, Catholic Conference the WCC Wisconsin Catholic Conference uh, is putting on an event called Catholics at the Capitol um, and it's on Tuesday April thirtieth. Uh, most of the day from about 8.30 until 2. And it's just going to be a great day. The bishops of the state have put it together uh, to get the laity from, uh, and and priests obviously as well, the laity from around the state together to learn about what it means to be uh, an advocate uh, at the state level, at the local level. There's going to be a bunch of talks. Um, There's going to be some prayer, and then the day will end with some visits to the legislative offices over on uh, th- at the Capitol.
0: And if I recall correctly, there will be some uh, uh, talks, uh, some gatherings at uh, a nearby convention center, and then also time, yes. as you mentioned, to uh, meet uh, local representatives there at the Capitol building. So um, if people want to get a little bit more of a layout of the schedule and some information uh, online or, or otherwise, uh, how can they do that?
2: Yeah, great question. You can just go to wisconsincatholic.org. Um, and, okay. and our diocese is doing a, a youth ministry trip uh, down there, but unfortunately our trip is full. Uh, but everybody else is welcome to, to just head down to Madison uh, and participate. You do need to register online, so I'd encourage you to visit mm-hmm. the website uh, and right. look for the Catholics of the Capital tab.
0: Very good. And in recent past, we've seen crowds of people fill the uh, rotunda at the Wisconsin State Capitol. So it'd be good (laughs) if uh, that same event happens with regard to uh, Catholics at the Capitol this year. Chris Hertebees, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, blessings in your continued work with the diocese.
2: Thank you so much, Father. Blessings to you as well.
0: Thank you very much. Uh, Coming up next, do you have a question about faith or anything about the world around us? Get those questions ready for our Straight Talk call-in segment. And later this morning, hear about a wonderful opportunity for pregnant mothers searching for a place to call home. We'll have these stories and much more right here on Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. you got Real Presence Radio
2: right now. If you're listening to it, you're probably sitting back saying, huh, Real Presence Radio is a huge part of the driving culture of promoting Catholicism, and it is. I mean, how many commercials have you heard from previous interviews, especially people calling into this network saying, you know, you have changed my life. I was driving, I travel a lot, you know, I, I was laid up. For whatever reason, I'm, you know, I was at home. I was listening to that particular program or, or that teaching, and it totally changed my life. So it's not just happenstance that this is working the way that it does. The Holy Spirit can connect with people on a multiple or multiple different levels, and the radio network is one. And the Spirit's telling you, you know what? Be a part of this mission. Help me save souls. Keep, uh, you know, RPR on on the live network so people uh, have this beautiful ministry available.
0: This is Cindy Detterman from St. Joseph's in Brooks. Thank you for listening to Real Presence
2: Radio. Hi, this is Brett Beiler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio. Did you know the signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming? Have you ever thought about running radio spots on the RPR network? We want to partner with you to help gain exposure for your business in front of a very faithful customer base. To find out more about your options, please call me, Brett Beiler, at 605-670-8333.
1: Rochester Catholic Schools welcomes you to an all-new Hearts of Gold, Friday, April 26th, starting at 6.30 p.m. at the brand-new Hilton in downtown Rochester. The event's theme is Cirque in the City, and there will be a cocktail party atmosphere with cuisine available at several unique food stations, plus a VIP hour at 5.30. Individual tickets and host table options are available by visiting RCS.
2: 237 4700 or online at homeishere.org you're
0: listening to the rpr network now back to more real presence live Welcome back to the Real Presence Live program for a Thursday here as we are just on the cusp of Holy Week, a very exciting time, really uh, the church's retreat that you you might say that uh, she provides for the faithful, and uh, we'll be talking a little bit more about that in just a moment. First of all, a reminder that in just a few minutes we'll be kicking off our Straight Talk segment, and you can call in on our toll-free number, 877-795-0122. You can also... Uh, uh, send in your question through social media on our uh, Facebook page at Real Presence Radio, and for any other uh, qu- schedule-related items, uh, remember our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com. dot com. So we look forward to visiting with you in Straight Talk, just a couple of minutes away. Father Leffer, you've got something for us in yep, the meantime. Yeah, actually, I
1: mean, there's so much. There's such fun and also intense and serious stuff going on in the world. Here, here's a couple little fun. Things that are just happening for for people to know about. Okay, today for the first time in three hundred years. Okay, at St. John Lateran in, in Rome, that's that's the, the the Pope's cathedral. Yes, basically for the for the first time in three hundred years, uh, uh, pilgrims to Rome or people in Rome will be able to go and, and walk up. Or most everybody kneels up them can you imagine this kneel up the they're called the holy stairs or the holy steps of christ they're saint helen back in the 300 saint helena back in the 300 she actually went to jerusalem took these steps brought them back to rome they're the very steps that christ went up when he was he was judged and he um for his crucifixion and, uh, so, and they show pictures online of these things. They're, they're so warped and worn out. They're complete marble, and there's like nothing left of them because all the people through the centuries going up on their knees. And this is a big deal. So today, if you happen to be in, actually, Father Phil Ackerman has a tour group over there right now. They're going to have access. They'll be able to do this. It's kind of cool. First time in 300 years, you can actually touch the marble and go up the marble. So that's kind of a Catholic trivia thing that's, that's happening out there in, in the bigger world. And then uh, another really just kind of fun thing. I'm a I'm a big moon buff. Do you do you howl at the moon at all, Father Gross? Uh,
0: no, not typically. <laughs> last night,
1: last night, when I walked outside, the the little crescent moon was up there, and I I let out a good howl. You know, no, nobody could hear me because I'm out there in the country. You know, but I'm a big moon buff. i I love things like um, you know once in a blue moon. Okay, uh-huh. we hear these things. Well, what's a blue moon? Well, a blue moon is when, two
0: full moons in a calendar month.
1: Exactly. Uh, Do you ever hear of a black moon?
0: Uh, I may have, but I don't recall.
1: So it's just like the blue moon, but it's when there's two new moons. Oh, right. So of you course. can't see, right? And that's in the in the 30-day yeah. cycle, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Or here's one. People don't know about that. Uh, okay, when you look up at the moon, you always see the same side of the moon. A lot of people don't even pay attention to this. You never see... The backside. You never see the dark side. Now, get this. As smart as we are, as smart as our scientists are and our astronomers and our physicists and figuring out all kinds of things, there is this argument about the moon that they have not been able to solve. It's like split 50-50. Is the moon rotating exactly at the same uh, pace as the Earth so that it always holds it in there, or is it the gravity of the Earth that holds it there and it's, the moon is actually still and it's not moving at all? See, and and you you would think this is like it's a chicken or egg thing. Mm, you mm-hmm. can't prove one or the other, right? So all all this moon trivia. Well, all you moon buffs out there today are our elder brothers and sisters in the faith, the, uh, the the our Jewish brothers and sisters from Israel. Um, they've been in the news this week because they just elected a, a president. Their the president for,
0: for his fifth term, exactly. Benjamin Netanyahu.
1: The politics was a big deal that over that over covered something extremely important for moon buffs today at 1030 is gonna be the only only the fourth time in history of mankind that that a nation has landed on the moon the nation of is the nation of Israel is going to be landing on the moon today at 10 you can actually go online and click on and watch as this happens it's pretty incredible stuff now, what's so fun about this, okay? You know, we usually think of big things or huge things, okay? The people who are behind this, they're into micro, little things, little tiny things. So their their goal, it started out as a competition. They wanted to figure out what would be the smallest thing that they could put into orbit and get up on the moon. Their goal was to take like a six kilogram thing and, and get it up there. Well, they discovered that it, could, it had to be at least 60 kilograms. So that was the smallest they could do. They launched the thing in February with the help of NASA, and it's taken that long to get there because it's so small. It has to do all these orbits. It had to do all these orbits around the Earth to gain momentum, 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 until it got up into the into the moon's uh, orbit, mm-hmm. and then it had to go around the moon a number of times to get into go from elliptical to a circular revolution. Tonight at ten thirty, that whole journey, and it's going to land. It's going to go down, and then they're going to be able to do. All these kinds of experiments with this little tiny satellite that they got up there. But the thing that about that's so incredible oh, here, and the name of it is Bershit, which means in the beginning. It's the word Genesis for the first word in, in the Jewish scriptures or for, for us the Old Testament. And so the beginning for the Israelis and their relationship with the moon, landing on the moon. Um, but they, what they've done here, they've had this huge breakthrough. Instead of thinking about big, huge things, like microchips, micro-small, it's transforming they've just transformed space studies and everything by going tiny, Yeah tiny. So, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, it's a counterintuitive sort of thing and wonderful scientific advances, especially in the context here in the United States, where a lot of people really aren't certain what NASA is doing, you know, anymore after the retirement out of the space shuttle fleet and things like that. But by the way, I, I, there's something I need to tell you very quickly. Um, you may not have realized that there is scriptural evidence that God is a baseball fan.
1: The, how, how is that, Father Gross? The
0: first words in the Bible, in the beginning.
1: <laughs> <Ba-dum-bum>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, listeners. I just I couldn't resist. But uh you know, yes. for those
1: of us that are listening a lot of us are twins fans, they're actually off to a good good start this year.
0: Things are looking promising. Our new man, the manager, Rocco Baldelli, I guess he has a little bit more of a freewheeling philosophy in terms of uh, the um uh, the long ball and home runs and stuff like that. They're so. so
1: they're hitting some out of the park.
0: Yeah, yeah, so that's that's exciting. And speaking of excitement for us in the church, a beautiful time of the year coming up here with Palm Sunday this weekend. So it, that's something that I could well expect would sneak up on some of our people as they were arriving at uh,
1: Mass this weekend. You know what's interesting about that? It seemed like forever for Lent to get here this year. Yeah. But then once Lent got, it seems like it's, it's just flown by. Very quick this year, Yeah. You know? And um, so he, one of those things, It's it's technically it's called... Passion Tide right now, Passion Tide. Mm-hmm. We may not hear that word, very, but it means the time of the Passion. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the the two weeks out. Um, so with the fifth Sunday of Lent to Palm Sunday, and then, of course, the next one is Easter Sunday. And, you know, I think, you know, Father, one of the things, I think, to just bring everybody's attention to the main fact, we are a resurrection people. We're, we're the people that we're not supposed to say in Lent, which is Alleluia. We are an Alleluia people. We believe mm-hmm. in the resurrection The tomb is empty. He rose from the dead in his body. And so that marks us. So 51 weeks out of the year, on Sunday, the liturgy is totally focused on, well, not but it's culminating, completes in the resurrection, Mm -hmm. right, theologically. There's only one time out of the entire year that you have a moral obligation to go to Mass, and the focus on it is the crucifixion and the death of Christ. And so coming up this Sunday, Palm Sunday or Passion Sunday, the it, it ends. The gospel ends. Jesus is crucified and he's dead. And, and the the church doesn't give us any relief on that. Mm-hmm. And it waits a whole octave until you arrive. For the resurrection, and that's the Sunday cycle, which is different than Holy Week and the Triduum, and Mm -hmm. and the the
0: mood uh, changes drastically from the triumphal uh, procession into Jerusalem with the uh, blessing of palm branches to what we have there at the um, uh, the reading of the Passion, which this year is from the Gospel of Saint Luke. So uh, that's something to be uh, to be alerted to as we uh, are coming up. Now is the time, ladies and gentlemen. We are starting our Straight Talk segment. And there are a number of ways that you can contribute. You can leave a question with us either through our toll-free number, 877-795-0122. You can also uh, log into the Facebook page if you want to leave a question there. Father Leffer and I uh,
1: will give it our best shot. You know, I I want to start this segment off, but I just want to give a shout-out. Today in history is a very important day. It's my brother, Glenn... His fiftieth birthday. Wow. His, I mean, the guy is old. He is older than the hills. I mean he I don't I have no idea how he got this old so quickly. And the funny thing I was talking to him the other day, I said, You don't seem nearly as old as when Dad turned fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it interesting your perspective? <laughs> He's He's yeah. Older. Yeah. But a shout out to my brother Glenn on his fiftieth birthday, all those celebrating birthdays today, um, God gave me the greatest old oldest brother in the world i i wouldn't be who i am without him so i
0: should clarify are you saying that your siblings were harder on your dad than uh, Glenn's family has been on him <laughs> yes <laughs> he didn't even have to think about that one folks he- <laughs> All right. Well, you know, as we talk about this wonderful time that's coming up here, and we'll be visiting with uh, you, we're looking forward to doing that in a moment. But um, we have uh, so many beautiful liturgies that are coming up. A lot of parishes are still um, uh, going to be having communal penance services. There are, uh, in each diocese, chrism masses, uh, you know, which are happening within this time, um, uh, often in the first part of Holy Week rather than on the morning of Holy Thursday because of the distance. That's required to travel for priests and the faithful to come to them. But you know, just kind of looking ahead to a lot of these things, what really are some of the highlights from your experience, Father, as a
1: priest? You know, highlights. How about I'm going to talk about some low lights, like okay. the, the little tiny things that nobody realizes we priests. For example, have you started your ritual of collecting all of your holy oils the, mm, from last year, yeah. bringing those? I mean, we literally are going around and collecting the physical presence of the Holy Spirit. In the sacred chrism. Yeah. And I have a tradition of gathering this, and then it's going to be burned in the Easter fire.
0: Yes, yes. We're going to saturate a rag and then burn that in the Easter fire, yes.
1: As we purify. And then because on t- um, Tuesday. Yes, we, for we, Fargo. For Fargo Diocese, Father Gross and I, we'll in our in our 20th year of priesthood, we we're, were classmates and brothers. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, we'll be heading to the chrism mass where we renew our promises of priesthood to mm-hmm. sacrifice our lives for the good of the kingdom and God's people and um, renew our commitment to pray faithfully on behalf of our, our, not just our salvation, salvation of all of our people, and to be faithful um, yes. to the teachings of the church. And
0: The amount of oil uh, that is to be uh, blessed and consecrated at the Chrism Mass for all of the parishes, institutions throughout the diocese uh, is brought forward, well, they each of the three oils, the oil of catechumens, the oil of the sick, and the sacred chrism, which has the special fragrance added to it during the blessing. So what happens in our diocese is that they do have like a, um, it looks like a coffee urn, sort of a sterling silver container. And then there's an additional large glass container, which looks like a really large flower vase filled with, uh, gosh, it has to be two, three gallons at least of each of those blessed oils. And deacons carry those up in procession during the course of the chrism mass. And I just think to myself if i were a permanent deacon holding one of those it would be a mantra the whole way up the aisle don't drop it don't drop it don't drop <laughs> <Exactly>. it because <laughs> that's kind of the drama of the you moment know, and, is <laughs> and
1: I'll, I'll give a shout out to all the people of the diocese fargo but everywhere tune in like you you mentioned this father gross within our church their liturgies are beautiful but there's certain liturgies that are just special and awesome like what one, one is the ordination of a priest. If if you've never experienced the ordination of a priest, seek that out, and sometime in your lifetime, experience it. It is so profound, so powerful. Right behind that is, I would say, the chrism mass. Mm-hmm. It, it, it is so profound. It's so powerful. The whole diocese, the, the priest lady, they come together. We're there calling down the Holy Spirit for the, for the new sacraments that are going to happen in, in a few days, and going out, but we're all there united. You see the unity of our faith, and it's happening throughout the whole world. And and the, the beautiful music and the, the yep. chanting and everything that's, that's going on. And if you've mm-hmm. never experienced this, find out from your cathedral when that's happening, what time and sometime in your life experience it. Do yourself a favor and experience yep. it.
0: Our Chrism Mass uh, usually features the attendance of a few grades of uh, Catholic school students um, so that they get the chance to experience it. And when you have a, a, a full church like that, uh, mostly full, uh, large church, uh, I think for a lot of people who attend from our smaller communities, just the, the sound enveloping you of everybody singing and, and the experience of the community of uh,
1: people in, in, in the faith is special. And, and the nuptial relationship between the priest and the laity as as the priest renewing and the laity are saying yes we receive you and this is uh, this back and forth of the voice of the mm-hmm. word confirming it and, and being yeah there. yeah it's beautiful we should give out that phone number again this is our straight talk segment where we we you know Father Gross and I we love listening to ourselves talk we really do we and we, <laughs> we we'll fill this whole half hour Truth be we, told yes we won't run out of breath or words you know <laughs> but what we really want is to hear from you absolutely in your heart your mind your thoughts eight seven seven 79501228777950122 you can also go to the facebook on real presence uh, website or if you know father gross from my phone number give us a text or a email and we'll be glad to bring you bring you on air
0: yes we are definitely looking forward to hearing from you uh, there are a couple of details that were added With the the uh, revision of the Roman Missal uh, a couple of years ago on Good Friday, that really struck me. For example, there's one uh, in in the rubrics. There's an instruction that uh, the priest presiding at the Good Friday service is invited to remove his shoes when he venerates uh, the Holy Cross, and that in itself is is a pretty striking thing. You know that you don't want to do it sort of in, in just a ostentatious way, but it really caught my attention that that's something that is being uh, you know, re-implemented, you might say. And during the course of the veneration of the Holy Cross, there are a couple of uh, beautiful texts and hymns that are published in the Roman Missal, which I myself have taken the uh, liberty of including in the course of the service as people are coming forward to venerate the cross, uh, including that um, ancient prayer, uh, The Reproaches, uh, which quotes, I believe, the prophet Micah. My people, what have I done to you? How have I? Offended you answer me putting those words in the mouth of Christ as it were during his time of uh, suffering. So there are a couple of very poignant moments for me during Good Friday.
1: I just got a word here, somebody texted in. They said the phone number is not working. Oh dear. 877-795-0122. They've been trying to call in for some reason they're not getting through. So please keep trying. I'm sure they'll work that out. Um the thing about the shoes, yes, okay, you're right. You think of Moses and the burning bush. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but in our parish, when we grew up, our priest always instructed us to take our shoes off and come forward. So, i oh, sure wow, if,
0: so it was a communal practice right, in your community. So, as a
1: priest, I've always invited the people to do that, oh, you know. I always explain, so okay. but I don't know the origins of it or when it started, yeah. But you mentioned about the reproaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I, w- I was taught about this, it's those reproaches are actually the most ancient, um most ancient, accurate thing that we have in our liturgy, it goes all the way back to the very... And we have proof of it mm-hmm. all the way back that they have been being used for 2,000 years. That, that, And so when we do uh, those, those approaches, it's like the most ancient hymn of the church, the most yeah. ancient call of the of Christ to the Father, mm-hmm. just I'm getting goosebumps thinking yeah. about it. Just how, you know, how th- that there are is.
0: texts like that, like the reproaches, that really uh, bring us into the earliest generations, the earliest centuries of the Church. Another one, of course, would be the Easter proclamation, the Exultet at the Easter Vigil. Yes. When you look at a lot of the uh, points that are brought up there, uh, there's that famous line, "O, oh, oh happy fault, O oh necessary sin of Adam, which brought for us so great a Redeemer." You know, there's the depth of the meaning behind that link prayer. And on a
1: personal note, I'm actually absolutely jealous of Father Gross. He has one of the most beautiful voices, uh, not just for priests but anybody. And so he has the ability to actually sing those in a very beautiful way, which is just, he's very wow. gifted. I'm jealous, that because not only can you read it and say it, but you can actually praise God by singing, and it's powerful. Yeah. Well, the thing that. of it
0: is, is that as the text with the chant that goes along with it, we had an instructor at the seminary I attended who said, you know, hymnals like uh, OCP or whatever will have hymn uh, renditions, you might say, of the exalted with some sort of approximation of the text in, in, you know, these various things. But um, he said, you know, why would you replace what is given by the church with something like that? Because it's, you know, it's not being
1: overdone. It's just this one time of year. Again 877 7950122 877 And also on our Facebook page,
0: we're happy to receive some questions and the first one we com- have coming up is a uh, a neighbor of ours both from Cavalier Mary. Welcome to Real Presence Radio. Good morning. And you have a question for us today?
2: Yes, I do. Um this past couple weeks there's been lots of conversations in my life about the washing of the feet on holy thursday so i'm wondering if you could speak to the meaning why and what is actually happening
1: yes oh that that's a very 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 good question mary thank you very much on that and so yeah this has gained a lot of attention uh, pope francis uh um a few years uh very shortly after his election it yep. was
0: right on the cusp of uh the
1: triduum yeah and he, he uh you know he took the it said wash the feet of 12 men and he he consciously took that word man out and opened up and and he's had a personal practice of holy thursday for pope francis is kind of a special day for him and he he has personally gone and he has washed feet of prisoners he's gone to wash feet of unwed mothers he's even washed the feet of Non, non-Christians non and, and uh, non-believers and people of other religions. And it's interesting because I noticed um, this year, and, and again, I don't know that it has any significance or whatever, but it he, he's actually not doing a Holy Thursday mass in the evening, but he is promoting this going out and washing the feet. So I'm, so I think for him, for our Pope at this time, this is a very, very important issue. He's made a big deal out of it. So, mm-hmm. um, now having said that there's the history on this, it's, it's very rich and deep and there's, um, so, so part of it, it, it the priest is instructed specifically and on, on Holy Thursday at that Holy Thursday liturgy, do three things to, to preach about the institution of the priesthood. Um, the uh, institution of the Eucharist, and then also the great the Mandatum, the great commission, go and um, in charity to, to the whole world. Now, the, the specific thing on washing the feet at this point, which what, what a lot of people don't understand, there's actually traditionally two different washings of the feet, and that and I think that's where some confusion comes in in regard to this. They're, so, one of those traditions has to do specifically with priesthood. The washing of the feet is actually it, it's it's a nuptial thing. Um, between the Christ the bridegroom and his bride the church. And you can see that in the passage where where David of Bathsheba, when he actually kills Uriah, he brings Uriah home and he says, he's trying to get Uriah to go down and have relations with his wife to cover his sin of adultery. And he says, Uriah, go down to your house and wash your feet, meaning cross the threshold and go and be one. Okay, mm-hmm. So the, the, the washing of the feet, what it has to do with, Jesus is commissioning the apostles to become the bridegrooms in his place to take the covenant out to the whole world the the sinful bride meaning humanity who's covered with sin to take that covenant the the, the precious blood out that she was bathed in his blood and, and made pure again so these men they're going out in charity sacrifice their lives into the world to offer the covenant of christ for that the christ and and the sinful world can become one they receive eternal life he takes their death upon himself and and eternal life happens now there's another washing of the feet which is uh in ancient days the people would come on ash wednesday they would go to the holy father declare i'm a public sinner i want to be reconciled to the church he would receive them they do 40 days of penance at, at the triduum time he would then receive them in wash their feet and there'd be a meal with them as they were reconciled to the church indicating that that they are now brought into the fold of the church. And so I think, uh, w- so there's these two great traditions, mm-hmm. and I think one of them has to do more like with the chrism mass and the priesthood. The other one has to do with charity, mm-hmm. going out to the world and bringing yeah. charity and reconciling sin. And so I think some people get very sensit- sensitive to those issues. And, and again, it's just one of those things where at this point in history, the, mm-hmm. you know, this is kind of a new thing it's uh, yeah. happening.
0: And uh, when you look at scriptures, the Gospel of John is the only one that incorporates the gesture of the washing of feet on Holy Thursday uh, at the Mass of the Lord's Supper. None of the other uh, Gospels allude to it. And uh, famously, Peter refuses because he doesn't want Jesus to be in the position of a slave, you know, doing something that is that he considers demeaning. And he says, well, if you're going to wash my feet, well, wash all of me, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I think about how the action of the washing of the feet bespeaks that service, that Jesus himself came to serve and not to be served, that rather than to be some sort of regal figure who's removed from the people, that if we are true servants in the mold of Christ the Good Shepherd, that this is one um,
1: important way to demonstrate it and to grow in humility. And so I think there, and so one of those things too, and the sensitive part of this topic is. There, it's it's an option. So washing the feet is not mandated. You don't absolutely have to do it at the Holy, Holy Thursday uh, Mass and services. So it's an option. You can do it. You don't have to do it. And then also, uh, you can have 12 men and wash 12 men's feet, or now the Holy Father has given the option that you can have 12 people are different and so there's there's a variety of expressions of how that might get expressed at a local church or from a pastor's discretion Mm -hmm. it's up to their
0: yeah it's up to their discretion in terms of who within the community they are inviting to come forward i i see it personally as an opportunity to widen the net a little bit so that you know we could go with a, a small number of the people who are eager to participate in everything but if there is a, a wider cross-section, if you will, of uh, the parishioners, it means a lot to me. And it's not the sort of thing where I, I don't think, and you can uh, speak to this, Father, I don't think that we really should um, you know, compromise, let's say, if there are very few people willing to do it. Well, Father, I have three volunteers, or I have six volunteers. Is that going to do it? Uh, you know, th- there really ought to be 12. Right.
1: And I, so I think there, too, it, it's just the real problem we're up against with Washington Feet is it's so rich. It has so many meanings, and it's like so. Do you just focus on one meaning, or do you take all these meanings and try to try to give them? And, and that that's the problem. Being Catholic, we 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 have so much. We have so. We I always say we have all the toys, you know, in the in the sandbox. And so mm-hmm. there becomes mm-hmm. these moments where, how do you express all of this at in one expression of faith at this point? And so, and especially when it says here's these three things that you're supposed to communicate in a short amount of time in a meaningful way so
0: yes yes indeed so mary thank you so much for the call and enjoy the rest of your day
2: thank you you also
1: That's awesome. fantastic hey father gross we uh this one's for you <laughs> it's a real simple one so i think i think damien from holly is with us uh damien are you there <coughs> damien yep yeah so you have a question about the trinity
2: yeah I don't quite understand
1: the Trinity. Can you ex- help explain we'll, we'll, it to me, uh, Damien? It's so good to hear from you. Absolutely, we'll give it a shot. No, myself, I I completely understand the Trinity, but I can't express it. So I'm going to let Father Gross do it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, uh, you know, uh, anyone who is speaking about this is aware of the fact that over the course of the church's history, there's been a lot of ink spilled about how specifically to understand this. But the way I would basically start is saying, we believe that God is a trinity of persons. There is one God in three persons who are connected to each other in terms of the relation. We know that uh, God is father, and uh, God is father because he has a son, and there is a son who is a son because he has a father. The Holy Spirit proceeds from them both as the bond of love between them. Uh, there are a couple of examples that I like to use, and analogies only go so far, but I think these are very helpful. God is one and yet there are three distinct persons. Each one is not the other. Um And if you were to take an apple and you were to cut it from top to bottom in a cross section and look at the half of the apple, you could recognize three different parts, so to speak. You have the core in the center, the flesh, which is most of it, and then the skin on the outside. All three of those are apple. Um, they are of the same substance, if it, as it were, but Each one is different, you know, if you bite into an apple, the the flavor and the texture of the skin is different than the flesh of the apple, and, you know, only the, uh, pardon the pun, hardcore people will eat the core (laughs) of the apple, (laughs) you know, so you've got those three different parts, all of them are apple, you know you don't have one part that's made of something else and then similarly St. Patrick famously um, used as an analogy the shamrock a clover with three leaves each leaf is made of the same thing but there are three distinct leaves and you don't have one that's glass one that's metal that sort of thing so in in terms of just our human reason we're limited in terms of how we can understand who the trinity is but this is what god has revealed to us of himself as three persons in
1: one god you know and and damien what what i'd say to what's important to to realize about this as christians our belief in one god and three divine persons makes us distinct from every other religion so this is a hallmark of our religion we believe in one god Three divine persons, and and it is it is a mystery that we can we can reflect on, not always completely understand, but it, it's at the core of who we are. It's a core, and it's what gives us our our identity, and um and so we worship that. We worship one God, three divine persons, and and as we grow in life, we we get deeper insights into it. And probably the most important thing to to think or realize about it is that the Trinity, Damien, is inviting you. Ye- to have relationship with God the Father, and God the Father is very interested in knowing you and loving you. The Trinity is inviting you to have relationship with God the Son and Jesus. He's very interested in having relationship with you. And the Holy Trinity is inviting you to have relationship with God the Holy Spirit, and -hmm. he's very interested in having relationship with you. And so probably it's very important to take time throughout the day to pray to each one of the members of the Holy mm-hmm. Trinity and, and develop relationship with them across your life, and that the Trinity
0: reflects that there is an active, dynamic kind of life, you know, within the reality of who God is. It, we can only come to know it, it, you know, to a certain extent, but we must not think of God as just some sort of solitary, idle entity, that there is this communion of persons. So wherever there is a community within the church, whether it be of a family, of parents and children, of a couple, things like that, this is in some way a reflection of the truth of who God is as as a community of persons and that kind of beautiful dynamic working. Now, it's not like... um Uh, You know, it's not like it gets divided lopsidedly So one person has 60% of the godness and the others have, you know, 20% each It's not like that Um, But, you know, looking at human terms, it can be difficult to to understand But hopefully that's just kind of a a 101 explanation for you in a nutshell How does that sound, Damien?
1: Good, thank you Hey, hey Damien, I, I I love the fact that you're asking these questions. That's great. Keep asking questions.
0: And and Damien, is it snowing there in Hawley right now? No. Not yet, huh? But yeah, I know um it's, it's just between Fargo and Detroit Lakes and the Diocese of Crookston. It's uh it's probably coming soon. So thank you very much for calling Damien and have a great day. Thanks so much, bud. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks.
1: So Father Gross, I have one here on uh a uh, text message come in from Mary. Uh oh so no sorry, sorry. From Karen. Okay. And she's asking um she says, I know that the color blue is associated with Mary. Mm-hmm. Why is the color blue associated with Mary? Do you do you have any thoughts on that or
0: no? Well, I think of it as uh uh, kind of a reflection of uh, purity and of the ethereal world, you know. That when you look to the sky, your eyes are raised to the heavens, and the blue, you know, has been attached with a, ref- you know, um, the, the character of purity. We, we should be um, quick to emphasize that the church does not use blue as a liturgical color, such as white, red, green, or violet, or black would be. So it is um, a, a color that is identified with a devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary and is not used, for example, on the vestments that the priest would
1: wear. Now, one of the things, and I don't know if this is the origin, I'll do a little more research, but I do know those who are into icons, like writing icons and stuff, mm-hmm. it's been explained to me that the color red symbolizes divinity and Jesus and the color blue symbolizes humanity and uh, mary okay and i and again i don't know if that's that's where it originated or where it comes from but i i have heard that mm. and so that that too might be it's it's kind of like the human and divine relationship of the two natures of christ and then yeah. jesus uh, son of god and also, son of man. So, mm-hmm. I, so I ho- uh, so Karen, I, I hope that uh, can help you. A yeah. famous
0: icon of Our Lady of Perpetual Help, uh, the Blessed Mother, is usually in a uh, deep blue, almost navy uh, garment. So, th- mm-hmm. and I'm I'm sure that if one were to look through, you know, our, our brothers in the Orthodox Church and sacred artwork, there would be a lot of examples of what you are saying, Father, being reflected with uh, red for divinity. And, blue and again, for I don't humanity.
1: know why why red and blue went that direction or you know I bet you there is a and so I encourage listeners look it up look it up and find out why red is divinity and blue is, is humanity here's another one that's come in and um, this comes in from Shauna um, and she she wants to know what is the origin of confession in the Catholic Church Mm-hmm. Just a little light topic for a. Yeah. For a, for well, a we
0: we do have one other thing to get to before the bottom of the uh, before we get to the top of the hour, but I do want to just speak briefly about that question. That um, the primary scriptural references that we look at are in uh, chapter sixteen of the Gospel of Matthew, and I believe it would be chapter twenty of the Gospel of John. In both of those cases, either to Peter or to all of the apostles by extension, Jesus says, uh, "Receive the Holy Spirit, whose sins you forgive." are forgiven them whose sins you bind or, or you know hold bound are held bound. That is, uh, th- that's a striking amount of authority to be given to people and, and, and it shows that uh, the means of representation of Christ is very substantial on the part of those whom he is, uh, you know, called to serve in, in the priesthood. And so priests and bishops, by extension, are instruments of that mercy of Jesus so that people, just as they could have from Jesus face to face, himself, can experience that uh, forgiveness being
1: imparted to them and the lifting of that burden of sin from their shoulders. And, and then I do, I have one more here from John, and he, he writes in, and he wants to know about the, why why do some churches veil statues this time of year? Right. And um, I think I could, okay, so it's called, um, so some, some churches do it, some don't. What, what's going on here? Okay, so we, uh, as of last Sunday, we entered into what's called Passion Tide and so passion times means the, the the time of the the passion of christ and so traditionally this starts with the fifth sunday of uh lent now prior to um changes from vatican ii there was there was always the same gospels on every sunday in lent now that's the cycle a you still get those gospels and there's, there's two others so traditionally the gospel uh, that, that, that was read on the fifth Sunday had to do with Jesus. And it's actually the gospel for today, on mm-hmm. Thursday. It's the one, if you go to Mass today, you'll hear it. And th- this is where Jesus and the Pharisees are having this back and forth um, uh, discussion, should we say, argument, um, disagreement, misunderstanding about his identity as the Son of God. And, and it says at one point, they, they, they think this is blasphemy, so they pick up stones to stone him, and it says he he disappears from their midst, or he there's a veil He's mm-hmm. veiled from their eyes and and the reason being he wasn't to be put to death by being stoned he was going to be put to death by being crucified so it wasn't his time or but this the, hour had not yet come and not come but the point is the veiling so on the fifth sunday of lent what would happen is the crucifixes and everything associated with christ the merit of christ the the, the saints and all the glory is veiled because he he disappears from our sight and and it, and it brings about the idea of death is upon us the darkness the the hours are upon us all of our senses and everything should be start now to come down as um, as we're moving into these most sacred and holy days. It also acts to there's no distractions. The only thing we have is the gospel each day of Christ, where He is and leads us through. Mm-hmm. specifically being with him into right. uh, the passion in
0: addition to the veiling of statues for those parishes that do it there is a sort of radical extension of this after the holy Thursday uh, mass of the lord's Supper so that as people come to church on Good Friday they see the altar completely stripped and uh whatever you know decorations and things as far as possible are removed from the sanctuary and that barrenness I think is of a piece with that idea of the veiling of, of images in order to provide that sort of starkness one might say as well Yeah, very good. Well, we thank everybody for having uh, chimed in on those various topics uh, with regard to straight talk. Thank you to those who called and texted with your questions. And just a reminder that this segment comes up every Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on our Real Presence Live programming at 9.30 Central, 8.30 Mountain Time, and uh we ask you to just keep that mem- that number handy of 877 795 when the straight talk opportunities come in we love to hear from you and uh to to see what uh, questions that you have so coming up at the top of the next hour you will not want to miss the story of Matt Ellercamp and his journey of faith through a program called Exodus 90. So we'll hear more about that. Later in the show, we're gearing up for the battle on the blacktop, something that Father Leffer has a lot of experience with. And we're going to be visiting with Father Cheney and Brian Wilburn from NDSU's St. Paul Newman Center about the bike race and some other exciting things that are happening in their parish. So we'll be right back as Real Presence Live continues. Stay right here.